dreams make good stories, but everything important happens when we're watching the greatest movie of all time. Today on the show, Dune. The greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie podcast is the greatest movie. Come on and hear me now. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, where I, your co-host, the animal, Rick Barrasso. And I, your co-host, the big, the big Dune Boski. That, that one worked. Good job, Derek. Uh, what do you mean? I, <laughs> your the guest. Other, the other one's worked. <laughs> and of course, I, our your... very special guest. I'm sure he has, does he have a nickname for himself? No, no. I'm just the guest. Thank you for having the, me. This, the I'm very the special guest, the, Joe Boynton. I'm the guest. No, I'm, my name is Joe Boynton. Thanks for having me. I've been on the podcast a few times. It's been great. Love yep, movies. Love talking movies. And uh, Joe, Joe has one of those. Uh, he has one of those nicknames where, like, when you have a wrestling video game from like the late '90s and you're trying to create a character, but they because you're putting in like a, the names Joe Boynton, the the commentators don't know that's your name, so they just have to, you have to just be like, "It's the guest, <laughs> the guest." <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think there's there's people that get nicknames and there's people that nickname themselves and I and there's people like me that take the nicknames of wrestlers and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it works because there's a wrestler in this one so I can just take his nickname. That's true. true. You can take the, this yeah. is true. Yeah. Um, so this is the show where we're going to watch every single movie ever made and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, boys? Doing Excellent. great. That is quite a feat to watch every movie ever made. It's doable. I, we I, can do it. We're gonna do it. That's awesome. Respect We've done like that. what eight? What, what what number of episodes? We're at least like twenty like percent of the way through. <laughs> How many movies could there be? Like two hundred? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah just like, a little two, bit, a little two, bit. Two hundred and forty movies and some change. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've done no research, but there can't be more than like two, three hundred. <laughs> Half um, of those are James Bond movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So today we've got the second Rick's pick, and Joe, uh, this every June, because it's both of our birthday months, uh, we get uh, to absolutely unchallengeable picks uh, for what we want to cover on the show uh, for two weeks out of the month. Derek, uh, in earlier in the month, uh, picked uh, Jojo Rabbit uh, and Little Miss Sunshine, and uh, last week we did Mad Max Fury Road. And for my first pick and Dune for my second pick. So vastly, vastly different picks. Shows you what our tastes. Yeah, that's good though. That's yeah. good. I don't um, think it really shows us our tastes. I think it was just, you know, I mean, my taste yeah. is the godfather. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So one and two. Um, dude, Jojo Rabbit's got a real strong rewatchability factor about it. I've seen it twice and I can't wait to see it again and again and again. That was really surprising. Yeah. Um, Mad Max movies, I love, I appreciate them so much. Um, haven't finished, I never, I never finished Fury Road, um, but it's insane. It's a ride. It's yeah. what I've seen I, of it I so highly far. recommend I know, I need going to. back it's just, because the, it, the end of the movie really does kind of lock into place what it's trying to say, I feel like. Cool. Yeah, um, that's one I need to go back on. Um, 
But yeah, it's just just that movie. The Mad Max movies are a completely different vehicle than any movie um, I've seen. They are they stand alone on their own. That you can only do. get something like that from that franchise and that franchise only. So you're not very refreshing wrong. overall. Uh, well, let's uh, let's get to it. As I said, we're talking Dune today. Uh, last week, as I said, we had an episode on Mad Max Fury Road, so check that one out. One of my favorites we've done. Uh, so you can check that one out or any of our library. We're on Spotify. We're an Apple podcast. Whatever app you use, subscribe to the show. Review it if you can. It's very helpful. Uh, if you enjoyed that episode or even anything else you want us to cover, let us know on social media. We're the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast on Facebook, at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. We're at Rick and Rec on Instagram. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And as our old friend, our old spice mining pal, Bruce Wayne, would say, tell your friends about us. Spice mining. Uh, spice mining, pal. Yeah. Bruce Wayne's all about the spice mining. The spice melange. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, now let us remember that fear is the mind killer. Uh, as we talk Dune. Uh, Dune is a 2021 sci-fi adaptation of part of the novel of the same name, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, it stars Timothy Chalamet. Finally, fucking finally, Chalamet is on my, the show. This, this is my first Chalamet movie. All right. Well, he plays Paul Atreides. Oscar Isaac stars as Duke Leto Atreides. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica. Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho, Stellan Skarsgård as Vladimir Harkonnen, Josh Brolin as Gurney Halak, Dave Batista as Glasu Raban, and Zendaya as Chani. Uh, it made $400.7 million on a $165 million budget, which is incredibly impressive because it came yeah. out on HBO Max the same day it was released in theaters. Crazy. Yeah. It's got an eight. So people point... know. People know. They're like, I have to see this in yes. theaters. This movie. So this is the first time I saw. This is the second time I watched the movie. The first time I saw it was big, and that definitely added to the experience. Um, so it's got an eight point one on IMDb and eighty three percent in Rotten Tomatoes, seventy four on Metacritic. Uh, Ebert says, "Still dead. No review." Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. You know what? You know what? I don't wish death upon anybody, but. You know what? No, I don't even wish death upon him, but I, he, he is. I usually don't agree with Ebert because he thinks Silence of the Lambs wasn't a good movie. He can go fuck himself. It was a really fast paced version of the book where they're rushing through the book, but the book is so damn long that I don't blame them at all. Right. There's a lot I, of subplots. It's a great movie. Like. And Anthony Hopkins' first scene as Hannibal Lecter is one of the greatest scenes in movie history. Easily. I agree. I agree. I just think Ebert needs to just stay dead. That's all. I don't think we have a problem with that. I don't think he's coming back. No, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe he's going to come out of the grave thumb first. Everyone, yeah, no one comes back except for him. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it's rough. All right, but uh, as far as you can get, uh, David Sims of The Atlantic says, the director, Denis Villeneuve's film, is the first adaptation of Frank Herbert's novel to properly portray the grim tragedy of Paul's arc. The movie is epic in scope, but it understands the quieter human underpinnings of the original work. Uh, Amy Nicholson says, uh, everything about Denis Villeneuve that keeps me from loving his previous works really works here. 
is chilly inhuman quality really works here. And for a negative one, David Elric from IndieWire says, eventually, Dune only resembles a dream in that it cuts out on a note so flat and unresolved that you can't believe anyone would have chosen it on purpose. All right, so let's head to Arrakis. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll talk about what this movie is about. But first, uh, let's talk about our Dune experiences. We're talking this a little bit off mic here, but mm-hmm. Joe, you've read the book and seen the uh, the Lynch version or tried to make it through the Lynch version. Yeah, I fell asleep. Fell asleep. I, I fell asleep. I, I missed the middle. I saw a lot of A lot the of story. A lot of story. I saw some of the movie. end and a lot of the credits and there's a big <laughs> nothingness in the middle of yeah. it because I just, it couldn't hold my attention. Um but yeah, um, my experience with this movie was incredible. Um, very, very, very happy I got to see this in theaters um, for the sound design alone. That's what yes. that stole the show for me. It was just incredible overall. Reminded me of when I, it reminded me of seeing um, Lord of the Rings for the first time. Uh, I didn't get to see that one in theaters, but I feel like I got an epic story that was well, very well crafted, very true to the source material as much as it could be and i felt like i just wanted more at the end of it and i knew that it was just the beginning or the halfway point of a great story and that there was plenty of room to expand upon more movies afterwards so i was a huge fan of blade runner 2049 i was a huge fan of arrival enemy prisoners um, yep um he just did crush he doesn't it. fuck around yeah crushes it and the fact that he wrote he was he was a writer on it he was a director or producer is probably why this is his best in my opinion his best film i found it much stronger than blade runner 2049 i found it much stronger than arrival um because he had more hands in the pot um you know he had more to work with more flexibility as a director so he is a very i think when he gets like three or four more movies out there's going to be a lot to look back on and yeah talk like it's it's a career you are going to want to dive into you want to um, know why he stuck to canon so well is because every time he got stuck he went back to the book i watched yeah. an interview with him and he goes yeah th- this book was my bible for making and this it, movie and i think he understood what works about the story you know i, I think there's it, it would be so easy to get caught up in the spectacle of it all it'd be so mm-hmm. easy to get caught up in the visuals and they are spectacular they're great to look at, but I think he he understood the heart of the story and the heart of the characters. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about that as we go along. Um, Derek, it, it, did you see this in theaters? Did you see it? How, when did you first see this? I saw this last weekend, I think, for the first time. Okay, uh, and it's been my only time I've seen it. Um, I feel like because Joe dropped so much information of how he felt about it, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and kind of give a little bit of what I think. Sure. Um, I went into this not knowing pretty much nothing about it. And I, while I agree that the sounds were, were, were pretty amazing and stuff, the first half of the movie was very mis- mysterious to me. And I was like, this is going to be really good. The second half of the movie, I think, felt really, really flat for me. Um, I know that it's one half of the story, but if, I kind of wish it was like one sixth of the story, because if this is just half of the story, it's not enough for me to really get involved into this world. Um, I know there's sequels and there's prequels and all kinds of stuff, but I just, 
I just was expecting a lot more from it, honestly. Um, especially considering that like people put it up there with like the, the biggies, like Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and things like that. Um, I'm interested to see the second part of the movie, the second part of the story. I've never yeah. read the book, so I have nothing to go by, but I just feel like it was epic in a lot of ways, but it felt flat story-wise. So that's just my opinion. You know, I, I wonder if the, I wonder if the, the opinion would be different because I, I love the movie. I, was, I, I picked it to talk about. Um, I wonder if the opinion would be different if if Joe and I didn't see it on the big screen. Yeah, yeah. it could be part of it. The big I, screen was the, a huge part of it. Yeah. yeah. And well, it was also, though, if, also the first like major blockbuster I saw coming out of COVID. Kind of COVID, right? That makes sense. So, I think and if you maybe, saw maybe, how bad the Lynch one was and you got this... You're just so happy. You're just like so thankful. Yeah, I guess. I, I think it's just the story itself, though. Like a story, a, yeah. a good story is a good story for me. Like no matter where I see it, I can I can watch a good story on my phone. But the second half of the movie, I knew. I, I actually paused it just just to not to spoil it for myself. But I was just like, is this the full movie or is this just half the story? And I was like, wow. I'm like, this is only half. Like I feel like they could make seven, eight of these to really take all these characters and journeys. But no, I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. I was just kind of like, it, it just, I think when I talk about my favorite scenes, well, you know, I think there were some really cool moments. There's enough um, books that they could keep going. It's just to yeah. cover the first book. That It's definitely going to be two films and that's it. Right. From oh, what well, I understand, and I've not read yeah. the books. I've not read the book series. From what I understand, later books get real weird. Yeah, which is I think is great. Bring on yeah. the weirdness with sci-fi. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I also yeah, was looking at this movie like all the things that were stolen from I, you know, I feel were stolen from Dune to make Star Wars so great that it was really good to see so much of the book like shown in a decent light with this movie. And I feel like just like just to just to love like like certain aspects of this movie that you can tie into Star Wars, like Spice itself, and then just the feeling of Arrakis, Benny Gesserit's. Um, if you compare him to Jedi, there obviously there's a, there's a huge difference, but there's also a lot of similarities. We were we were the talking tech, about some other so fantasy stories off screen, like Wheel of Time yeah. has a, a group that's very similar to the Benny Gesserit. Um, yep. You know, um, it, yeah. Th- this is this is a, a keystone text for yeah sci-fi and fancy without this you don't get star wars and have so many star wars movies and then only have you know a few adaptations of dune and none of them be be decent enough and then get this i think that's why i love this so much was it's not perfect but it's good enough and it's about time also has a factor for me well let's get into it and this is i'm going to attempt to explain what this movie's about in 30 seconds can't be done (laughs) can't be done no. So this is going to be a very, very high level overview of what the movie's about. Derek, do you have a, do you have a song or are we, uh, we just telling me out here? I mean, for a song, what I could have chosen. Anything about the Spice Girls? Well, I was going to choose something from the movie uh, Super Troopers that remember when they're, they're in the car and it's like, ding, ding, gong, gang, gang, body, diggy, do, because that's exactly exactly what it sounds like in one of the scenes in this movie where like the armies there's like yeah. a big scene with an army and there's some guy talking like bang, 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 bang. it sounds just like that fucking song it, it took me right out of the movie <laughs> but anyways, you guys go ahead uh, okay I'll, I'll do the countdown uh three two 
one, go. House Atreides is given the planet Arrakis, the lone producer of spice, by the Emperor of the Universe. It's a trap, though, and they are attacked by the Harkonnens, the previous tenants of the planet and the Emperor uh, and the Emperor's direct forces. False to Paul, the son of the now-dead Duke Leto Atreides, and Jessica, a member of the Bene Gesserit, a magical religious sect, try to unite what remains of House Atreides and the Fremen. Natives of Rockets. He must also navigate his visions, which show that even as he fights for his family's survival, he may become a monster in doing so. All right. I didn't even count you because I just wanted to hear what you had to say. Yeah. No, I, I tried to. There's so much granular detail you can get into. You know, like in that, I didn't mention like five main characters because it would just, I'd be here all day. Let's talk about what we like in the movie. So as we do each week we count down our three favorite scenes joe do you have a do you have a top three top three um i have my top three for okay. if we're picking the first one let's go let's go order, yeah like let's two. go three down your third favorite and then we'll go around second favorite third, yeah. third favorite of the movie is probably um the ganjabar uh scene i thought that 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 sets the movie up for me when that scene happens um, and, and Paul Atreides has to put his hand in the box right. and experience basically his hand just like being on fire um, in the movie. I don't remember. I know it was just pain in the book from what I remember, but um, I know that there's a difference here. There was a, there was an artistic change when it came to the movie in the book at this scene that people have talked about. I just, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but that scene was really intense. And just to see the poison needle held against his neck, the mom like just losing it outside the door, thinking this is the, this is the end of her son. This could be it. And just how cold uh, the Benny Gesserit's leader um, was. And you could just tell she just didn't like him. And just like she could just felt how arrogant Paul was just that whole scene. Like that scene, let me know, Hey, this is, this is a serious movie and you're in for a ride yeah so that was the first inkling of that for me yeah that's that's my uh my number three as well nice Um, yeah because i think it really shows the best thing about this movie to me uh other than the technical aspects were like which were like mind-blowing but uh like the, the the struggle within paul to to define who he is and i think that's what gives the movie its real spine you know, is ultimately it's about boy on the cusp of becoming a man who can go in one direction and lead to the destruction of his family and his way of life and go in another direction. And it can lead to untold horror being done for him. And he has to learn how to navigate that. And it's also about his identity as his father's son, and has his mother's son, right? His mother representing the Bene Gesserit, like, which are just kind of an unknowable, like this world is designed to be tough, like to, to really grasp, like it's so foreign to what we would know. But also, you know, he has his father and this is, a, you know, I, I have a kid in the way. So having the, the scenes with, you know, with, with Leto and, and Paul, you know, where he's just like being a good dad. Yeah. That, so like good. those really, those really stick with me because it's like, you know, the scene where it's like, you've, you know, no matter what you choose to be, like, you're the only thing 
you know, you're the you're you're the the only thing you ever needed to be for me is my son. Yeah, it's like okay, my son. It's like damn, yeah, yeah, it just hits you. It's it's so um, powerful, and it's like you see Paul in this scene. You know, when he goes in, and the the Reverend Mother sends uh, sends Jessica away, and he's like, "You dare do that?" And that's the Atreides side coming out, and then he has to confront the Bene Gesserit side, and I think that's what what makes the scene. Uh, stick with me and just just great performances all around uh derek what do you have for number three my number three is more of a collection of scenes i think uh, my number three is like wherever anytime you see like the big sandworms um are are pretty interesting and considering i watched it on my tv i didn't watch it on a big screen i'm sure it would have been even crazier um but uh they were very very good um i i enjoyed them i think that they brought something extra to the movie that it needed um, kind of like this mysterious just thing that's just these things that are just in the ground that if, you know, and I thought it was kind of also kind of clever, like you got to walk in a certain pattern to, to make sure they don't come at you and, and, and things like that. That's kind of, kind of cool. But every time they were brought up or, or talked about or, or you see them, I thought that was like some of the most interesting elements of the movie. So that was my three. I like the design of the sandworms a lot. Um, when you look at fan, like when you look at a lot of artwork for Dune, it's a completely different design. They have more like that Beetlejuice sandworm where there's actually like a mouth protruding out. Yeah. And it's yep. like three pieces that clasp together uh, for the mouth. And obviously there's no eyes. I really like that these look like just eyeballs just staring into you or a black hole. And you're looking at like an event horizon, like there's something so cool and it could have flopped so hard by making that change. And the fact that most people, I I don't know anyone who has a problem with that change. Yeah. Um, This is is a creature of nightmares. Like you can't comprehend. Yeah. And what what they did was they, they created, they had a designer create how based on the books, how this thing actually would exist in real life or how, how would this thing physically exist? And like, if you were to create it as an animal or create it as a working mechanism or machine, and that's why the design change happened, which is also really cool Yeah. to go to all that work just for that one monster. Like you don't have to go to that length and they did it. So I think that, that, I mean, remember the trailer, like that was like the key scene. So they they had to make them look cool. Like that was the scene they sold the, the trailer on. But Joe, what's, yeah. your number, what's your number two favorite scene? Number two favorite scene of the three that I have chosen. Um, I'm going to say the Harkonnen invasion. So it was unbelievable when the one scene where um, there's just missiles just raining down, just cascading down in all different like like just curves and just I don't know what the, what you would call. I don't know the name of that sort of weapon, but. Yeah. I know that there's things like that that exist today. I'm sure that scene and what another turning point, another beat that was hit for me, similar to the Ganjabar scene, is when um, is when um, Batista's uh, Glassu Robin character is just cutting off everyone's head. Yeah, all the all the um, Atreides that were captured, and he's he makes it so believable and it's so brutal. Um, just like Halleck was saying, like how brutal they are. Like you really see it in that scene. And this is the scene in the movie where you say, this is nothing like star Wars. 
You know what I mean? Like as a just looking at it, I know the books. Like obviously, Star Wars had some things that they've taken from Dune, um, but this I feel like for me, this scene was like the big like this is not Star Wars anymore. Like this is right. not even close. This is on its. This is in a whole other league. This is ridiculous, and that is just on a level that I wasn't ready for, and it made me really like it hit me really emotional to see the soldiers with such defeat and seeing that scene and just being like, Oh fuck, man, that's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to take in. I, th- I think it's, I mean, the, the way I think so. it, the, the way it distinguishes itself from a lot of sci-fi, especially of the time is that Paul has to reckon with being the chosen one. Whereas like yeah. Luke, Luke Skywalker, or Anakin Skywalker or Harry Potter, or, you know, name the hero's journey uh, character. Yeah. They're like, I guess I'm the chosen one cool you know not frodo not frodo Frodo. has a similar situation with paul atreides where he's he's got a he's like why me you take it i don't know what the fuck why do i you know what i mean like yeah oh not with frodo but yeah i understand yeah but like i think paul really truly struggles with it in in the way that he's like i don't even you know it's it's just like this is a thing that's going to happen and it sucks um yeah yeah so it's a normal reaction that's yeah pretty it's a pretty um, accurate reaction if if any of us had to be the chosen one yeah. today uh, for anything epic and dangerous would be like oh fuck that no <laughs> yeah. set. so my number two scene is the death of duncan idaho and here's what i love about this scene. number one it's like the ultimate momoa scene like, <laughs> it's like if you had to write like a scene for him to like excel it's like okay this is that and what I really love about this, and this is more of like a design choice for the movie itself, is how when you kill someone in this movie, you got to get up close and slow and feel it. You know, you can't pick somebody off from down the, you know, no. from across the hall. You need to stab somebody and then you get to feel it and you get to see the life drain from them. And it, you know, it's, it's not like you're not picking off stormtroopers here. You know, you're not doing a spell and knocking down the evil wizard. Like you, are, you gotta get it. Death is ugly. And, yeah. he, and Duncan Idaho kills like 20 people up close and personal. And it's awesome. Uh, it's a very, then, uh, it's a very, not, not that, you know, everything took something from the other, but it's, it's a very Boromir, Yes. Slash Barrett and Selmy type thing from the show type scene. So I got, I I literally thought of both of those segments immediately. Yeah. And then you have, you know, my guy Chalamet having his freak out moment because his best friend is dying. You know, it's just, it's like, we gotta go, we gotta escape. You know, this is important. And Duncan Duncan Idaho realizes that, you know, he has to make the sacrifice because Paul is that important. And more so, Paul is his friend. So I think it's I think it's a beautiful moment, and it's a very cool moment. Steric, what do you have for two? Uh, two for me was um, one of the weirder scenes, and uh, and that was Leto's death. Um, and I didn't really, and I will say this up front, and I, I, you probably both disagree with me, and that's okay. Um, I didn't really care about any of the characters to to care about their deaths because I think the movie was too short for the epicness that it tries to bring you. Um, but when characters die, I was like, okay. Um, unfortunately, because um, I just needed more of a backstory. I need more scenes with them. Kind of like, you know, when Boromir dies in the Lord of the Rings, the first movie, I really fucking cared because I watched him for three hours struggle. <laughs> Idaho, Idaho, I saw him in like three scenes and he died and I was like, ah, that sucks. 
Um, but Leto's death was weird because like he bit that capsule and then everyone in the room just fucking died except for like the main guy. And I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? I was really confused. Um, and I like being confused. I like thinking, that, what, the, what am I watching? Because then I can go do research and be like, oh man, that's the type of shit I like is when I can kind of like dig, dig my teeth into it. But it was really weird. And I was like, oh shit, now he's dead. Like, of course the father's going to die eventually because that's just kind of the way fantasies kind of roll. Um, so I was kind of expecting it, but just the way it happened, I was like, whoa, that was kind of a neat scene the way everybody kind of like flew backwards and it was all like strange. I really can't say anything more about it than that, but it just made me feel something like, whoa, that was yeah. weird. And there's so, so kind, of, much... kind of, it tickled me, right? Yeah. There's, there's so much in this movie that it's, it's like a line here or a line there that infers something that you have to pick up. Right. So like. Leto, you you do learn about a lot about him, but you learn it indirectly, right? So, like, there's two lines that indicate he is not married to Jessica. Like, there's there's the the line, like one of his last lines before he's he's uh, assassinated, that he's like, "Oh, I should have married you," and then when um, when uh, uh, not Stel- yeah, Stellan Sarsgaard's character is like, uh, uh, your concubine is dead. Like, it, it tells you a lot about that relationship that it, you, it, it's not like, they don't linger on it, you know? So you have to kind of pick up on a lot from, you know, how they refer to it. So I, I, get, I, I get it, like, if you're watching it and it's like, there's so much being thrown at you. But I think there is a lot to care about with Leto. That's just my opinion. But doesn't work for you, doesn't work for you. Joe, number one scene. Thank you, Stilgar, for the gift of your body's moisture. <laughs> no, that made me laugh so fucking hard. But no, my favorite scene is the crushed tooth. I jumped out of my seat. Yeah. I was so excited. I did not read the book before I watched the movie. I watched the movie first. I watched the David Lynch one first. Then I watched this one. Then I started reading the books. Um, the tooth was the best part for me because I jumped out of my seat. I was so happy that they both, I thought they were both going to die as a, like, and cause I didn't really watch all the David Lynch ones. Like I said, I fell asleep. Um, so I had no idea if the Baron died or not at that scene. And I was just so happy cause I fucking hate that guy, which shows it's a good villain, just like Joffrey in game of Thrones, where you really hate, you really hate this villain and you feel it like they're a real person, even though it's just a fictional character, but the crushed tooth scene and the, he's paralyzed and he just breathes it out and everyone's freaking out. And then you see him up on the ceiling, just hovering up there, dude, unreal, unreal. I'm really glad. um, I'm really glad that they nailed that scene as strong as they did, but yeah, that's my favorite scene of the movie. I believe um, yeah. as a rewatch, like I've been watching it. I watched it yes, a little bit yesterday and today I didn't get all the way through. I do have a baby, so it's really hard to, to get this movie. It's a long, pretty long movie. Um, so I'm going to finish it for the third time uh, tonight or tomorrow, but from getting halfway through it today, um, that was my favorite scene. Yeah. I um, still, I, I remember, I've watched the, I went to this movie in theaters and then, my wife wanted to watch the following day wanted to watch uh, Mamma Mia in which Stellan Skarsgård just sings ABBA songs 
and just the whiplash of those two characters played by the same actor was like bizarre. Because <laughs> uh, in this, he's just like a like a human slug. Like he's he it's 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 such a great role for him. But uh, I mean, my number one scene is, and I'm gonna I'm going to uh, kind of cheat a little and, and loop the 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 tooth biting scene into this. But everything from the assassinate the assassination on Leto to his actual death where it's just like chaos. Like there's, you know, characters being slaughtered and explosions everywhere. And I, I feel like, you know, luckily, you know, knock on wood here, I've never had to be in a chaotic situation like that. Uh, but I imagine that's what it would be like, where it's just like, you have some people that are running into it. Some people that are running away from it. Everything is out of control. And it just looks so cool. You know, and how it, devastated is he before that night? Like, well, at that night, before he goes to bed, he's just, you can tell he just feels like he knows it. It's over. He knows. Well, he's the, accepted the, that he's great, inside a trap. Yeah. yeah one of the, the great things about this is there's no character that's just like, they've acted foolishly. Like, they, they were, everyone knows the situation they're in. Yeah. Just like they can do nothing about. They it. know it's a setup. They all know they're just yeah. Um, they're just caught in the, the emperor is is yeah. jealous and he's just playing them like pawns. And even the Harkonnens know, but they're using it to their advantage because they hate House Atreides. Um, so they just look at it like, yeah, we're gonna lose yeah. some men, but we're gonna get Arrakis back. We're gonna be you know. And what sucks for them is, um, even though the Harkonnens are clearly not the greatest crowd. Um, after this, I don't know really where the books go, but I can't see the emperor treating them very well, even if they did end up on top. You know what I mean? The emperor is making sure everyone's in a much lower position power wise so he can remain in control. I'm, so I'm very excited. So you know who was cast as the emperor for, for, for part two, right? I do not. Christopher Walken. Jude, I did hear this. Yeah. I did hear this. I saw this on Reddit. Um, that's great. I think he's great. The only thing is, is when I see Walken's face, I can't help but laugh. Because I'm of all. very excited for a serious, another serious, for a walk serious walking role. You know, where he's yeah. not playing a walking meme, and uh, his daughter is going to be played by Florence Pugh. So, oh, she is fucking excellent. She's great. Yeah. So I can't. She's. I think she's my number one favorite actress right now. I I absolutely buy that. That's she's she's great. Everything she does is great. So, Derek, what's your number one favorite scene? My number one was actually your number three, both of you. Um, and the reason why is because that was the scene that I go, just like Joe said, I'm like, here we fucking go. Here we go. Unfortunately for me, I was a bit more let down of what was to come. I think that was the best scene in the movie because it really was like, this is serious. This is going to take you on like a very myster- you know, mysterious journey. Um, and it was a very dark scene. And that's the, something that I'm very much into is I like dark movies. I like dark things. Um, I find it interesting. I want to know more about it. I'm very interested. I'm the guy who sits at home at night looking up like the order of the nine angles because I want to know what it means. What is it about? Who Who's in it? Why are they in it? What does it mean? Why do people like it? You know what I mean? It's obviously a very <laughs> crazy satanic group, but it's like, I need to know more about things um, no matter how dark they are. And so this was like, okay, here we go. It's going to be super dark and it's going to be like, there's magic involved and there's witches. And I'm like, oh, I love this shit. And then it just didn't, 
take me there like I wanted it to. It, was, it wasn't as dark as I wanted it to be and stuff. So, but, but I think that scene was like, for me, it, it kind of made me excited. So it was my number one. Solid number one. Excellent. So let's talk about our, our least favorite uh, parts uh, of the movie here. Joe, do you have uh, anything that jumps out at you? Just as... how it ended. Yeah. Just how same. it ended. It, I, I know like, and, and I honestly felt this way with Lord of the Rings when um, Frodo and Sam are in the boat and they're going off and down the river. And I just remember being like, wow, damn it. Luckily I didn't see it in theaters where I had to wait until the next one came out. Like I got to watch the DVD and then watch the next one. Um, but, but I had the same feeling like, damn it. Like yeah. I think- how many years is it going to, well, with this for me, since I watched it when it came out, it's like, how many years do I have to wait? I have to wait all this time. Yeah. Well, this uh, one was like not this. not guaranteed, like especially because it was, I know. you know, HBO Max the same day. They're like, is this going to kind of flop? Is this, you know, what, what does the future of this franchise look like? And, you know, luckily it didn't. But when I walked out, I was like, my feelings on this movie are very much going to depend on whether it's a sequel. Um, because this could be like, okay, we, we, once we get the full, you know, once we get the sequel, it could be like, okay, well, this ending, you know, it put everyone where it needs to be. And and I, I get it from a point where it's Paul embracing the Fremen culture. And that's, you know, here, here we are, like he's unlocked this new world. So the next one's going to explore this, you know, this world from this perspective. But I think they probably could I understand why they needed to get Zendaya's character, Chani, in the movie, but I feel like you almost, and like have them meet, but I feel like you almost should have ended the movie a little earlier to get it like more, more of like a climax. I think directly after the knife fight scene, um, like right after, I don't, I know they, they ended pretty soon after that, Yeah, but I feel like immediate, like pretty fucking quick right after that yeah. would have been great. Yeah. I hear you. Derek, do you have anything else that you, uh, you I'm, I'm at, yeah, I'm actually the opposite. I think it should have went like at least another 40 minutes. Cause I, I, that, ended, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Cause I was just like, when it, when it ended, I was just kind of like, I don't really understand why this is supposed to be intriguing. And I, I feel bad saying that um, because I didn't really get the movie. I, I was halfway through it. I go, I looked at the clock and I go, wow, I'm halfway through it. And I really still don't understand what I'm watching so much. Either it's that simple or I'm missing a lot of it. So and, it's, and so, you have you to know. kind of go to Paul's visions to, I think, I think, you know, and we can, we can discuss this if we're like, whether, you know, it's effectively communicated or, you know, Joe, if you have the same view that I do, uh, my thought is like, if you look at Paul's visions, they're not literal, but they're pointing in a direction where Paul going with the Fremen is going to lead to a massive war. Right. And it's him accepting yeah. that there's going to be this war this is going to happen. And, you know, it's just, it's just something that has to be done. It, a lot oh, of people are going to die because of Paul. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that's that. the thing. And he doesn't is, want is anything that, like, to do with that. And a, and a big part of the movie for me was, and I already mentioned it before, is that things happen so quickly where it, the movie almost for me feels like, well, okay, this big character is going to die. Are you upset? And I'm like, no, I'm not because I don't really know them. I don't really understand why this is important. Um, so, you know, for me, it was like, 
Yeah, extend it, do something. We to, to need make- an extended cut. And I also yeah. thought of that while watching, like what, after finishing the movie, I go, man, I'm excited for an extended cut one, one day, hopefully. I really hope there is one. I can't think of a movie that I want more of an extended cut for than this. I would now, you said that. you've listened I, to the audiobook. Do the yes? Do the does the book go into? I'd imagine the book goes into like, is it is, is it strictly from Paul's point of view, or do we get more like Duncan with the Fremen, or like you know stuff like that, like subplots that we are just kind of talking. There's about. a lot more in the book that expands and makes and helps helps elaborate things, and and you feel like it makes more sense. I feel like if Derek list read the books first. It would come obviously it's going to completely change your perspective of the movie by reading the books. And I think this movie, you kind of need that because of how much is 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 left out. I think people are just happy. We we usually do this in in miscellaneous, but like I'll I'll throw it up here now. Would this movie have been more effective if it were a, a, a like an eight to ten part Netflix series like big budget? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, how probably you, eventually how, how, will how could be. You ma- and again, there are other movies where I can say, okay, you gave me three hours and I really fucking care. And this was what, two hours and a half, two and a half hours. And I was like, I just felt like something was missing. Like I didn't really, yeah. wasn't captured yeah. into the world. A lot of cool moments, but they didn't add up to a really good story to me. And again, I'm just I'm somebody who's watching who has no idea what I'm watching. Yeah, you're just so. looking at it, just, just black and white. Um and I feel like a lot of people probably feel that about certain Star Wars movies where they're just like, they're not invested in a lot of the lore and a lot of the details. Well, I, yeah. You know what and I, I mean? think for where... me, like, it, I had that problem where like, everyone's like, Empire Strikes Back is the greatest sequel ever. I go back and I watch it and I'm like, meh. And again, is it because I didn't grow up with it and it wasn't like a childhood staple for me? Um, is that the reason? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I, have, I, have doing... one, I have one more nitpicky, nitpicky thing. If you're gonna get Batista and Momoa in the same movie, they have to interact. You need to fight. But if they, they don't interact fight. in the book, you're just doing it for the sake of don't them care. being in the don't movie. Don't care. Make I it do. <laughs> I do. No, I think lore is you have to stick to the lore as much as you can if you want you lifetime could, fans. You could easily, you could easily have had them interact in the battle briefly, and it would not have affected the lore. And nobody would have made it any different. I, I feel. Yeah, like. I, 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 I got I to I take the other side there because I think that Georgia R. R. Martin is one of my favorite authors of all time. But honestly, I think that D&D made a lot better choices than him in the earlier seasons. Like, you know, for instance, uh, uh, having Arya become Tywin's cupbearer was fucking brilliant. And that didn't happen in the books. Just because the books are the OGs doesn't mean it's right. You know what I mean? I just love, I just want, like, look, for Lord of the Rings, if I could have a perfect... Lord of the Rings um, visual experience if it's Netflix. More Bombadil. You know what I mean? No, I just want, just give me the longest fucking series and just stick to like every page and I will watch all of it. I don't care. Obviously, but, you can't but, do that. You can't do well, that. The, yeah, I, That's I just what don't I think want. that like everything in Lord of the Rings and everything in Game of Thrones and the books, not everything was, 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 was well written. I think, I, I don't think any of them are perfect, but like, Tolkien gave us Flotsam and Jetsam. It was the longest fucking chapter I've ever read in my life about landscape, and I didn't fucking need it. I'm sorry. So Love realistically, what what changes, other than it's just different from the book, Joe, what changes if Batista's character is the one that kills Momoa's character? Say that again? What, if, if, if Batista's character is with the group that kills Jason Momoa's character at the end, and he's the one... 
that actually kills him. I mean, I guess it depends. Where is he supposed to be in the in the book? I don't know. Well, all the, the only details. scene he has really after that is just he's talking to his uncle, and his uncle's like yep. in the bathtub, mm-hmm. um, recovery tub. Yeah, re- also in Star Wars. Yes, very very much. Also in very Star much Wars. A back Hello. Yeah. yeah, a lot of things. A lot yeah. of things taken. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I would never. If if I if I made movies this I would never make this movie because this is similar to similar to Peter Jackson making Lord of the Rings. This is a daunting, daunting fucking task. It, it sure and is. I think and, people and, and, and understand also, that. Yeah. So when they when it comes out decent enough, it's very fucking praised. Yeah. And because, you're always gonna upset somebody, always, no matter what. Oh yeah. I mean the Peter Jackson movies absolutely pissed people off. And the reason there wasn't such a backlash is because Things didn't go viral. There wasn't a big voice online, but I'm because, sure before those movies came out, people had some serious complaints. Yeah. Because um, I think I think Jackson very much like Veneuve here gets gets the heart of it. You know, yeah. I, I think even even the details are a little bit different. Blockbuster movie, yeah. yeah. You still have to make a blockbuster movie and appeal to people that aren't that don't know anything about Dune. You still have to try to appeal to them and make that money. Like so, right. in the Lord of the Rings. He, Peter Jackson had to make. Legolas and make him surf downstairs yeah. on a shield and you know backflip off a giant elef- elephant. This is the second like, movie, and you were not here for our last recording, but that is the second episode in a row we've referenced that in a negative way. Um, yeah, yeah, we've just yeah. That. yeah. I mean, it's not those movies aren't perfect, but they're yeah. good. Once they pass the threshold of good enough, they're praised and they become yeah um, one of the greatest movies of all time because movies are so fucking difficult to make and it's so easy to make the wrong choice and not everything can be the Godfather. I wish we lived in a world where the Godfather, you'd be like, Oh yeah, I remember that movie because there were so many good movies. We don't live in that world. There's a lot of bad movies. Before we go into too many tangents. Yeah. Sorry. That's all I do. You you have to see the offer um, on Paramount plus it's like the, the making it's a real TV show, but it's it's about the making of The Godfather. And I've it's seen the awesome. commercials, and I was like, "Who makes this? Why leave it it's alone?" So, dude, I don't. It's so it's so good. It's good I, there's so much. Right. There's so much. I don't. I, dude, it's like the mafia is involved in trying to make the movie stop. People are getting killed. Like it's crazy how this movie. Oh, was made. I don't know how much I of need, that is actually true, but um, a lot of it's it. true. I a just don't want to. I don't want to pay for another subscription. Well, I'll, give you, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you my username and password and see if that'll work. I, but anyways, we'll talk I about love that. I will. I would love that. Let's, I would let's move on. Let's it. go to. Sorry. Let's go to medals. Medals. Yep. So who, Joe, who you have your oh. uh, your bronze medal winner here? Oh, bronze medal. Okay, yep. I did not do my homework for this, so I have to do That's this fine. off the cuff. We'll go. We'll come. We'll come around to you last. Uh, uh, okay, Derek, who do you have for bronze? Okay, so this is the first one I've ever done where I actually did not do this, and I didn't do it on purpose. Why is it? Um, because I don't think anybody is better than anybody in any of the roles. I think they're all kind of, and I hate to use this word in a lot of ways, but I feel like a lot of the characters are a little are a little bit meandering. Um, where like I don't think anybody gave the performance of a lifetime over anybody else, and I also think the director made some choices that I wasn't sure should have been made. So, and that, if that's the case, I really don't have anybody above anybody else. And that's why I didn't do a bronze, silver, gold this time, because I really can't choose. Cause I don't really know. 
right. Well, I guess I guess I'm the only one who did my homework this week. No, no, uh, I did my homework. I, just, I, I got I one. I don't think there's a gold, right. silver, bronze. Here. So I'll go. So my my bronze, I have a tie. I have uh, Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, I think we've we've talked about. I think there's some such great moments with Paul and Leto, uh, and we haven't talked about Rebecca Ferguson a whole lot. You know, it. I think she brings. I, I love the moment when she realizes that Paul knows she's pregnant and just like realizes how powerful Paul is becoming, and she just like has that moment of like panic, like the potential of this kid to be this messiah figure. She's like the only actress who I like didn't know. You didn't know Rebecca it, Ferguson? Is, what else is she in? Because I, I didn't know who she was. She's been in um, uh, a lot of the recent Mission Impossible movies. Ah, that's why um, I don't know her because I don't like Tom Cruise. But she's um, what else has she been? I feel like there's something else that I'm like something very obvious that I've been I've been missing that I'm missing here. Um, she oh she's in Doctor Sleep. She's great in that. Speaking, we we're talking about uh, Stephen King a little bit earlier. Who is she? Who is she in that? She's the villain. Oh, I did not make that. Okay, so I did see her in Doctor Sleep. Okay. Yeah. Let's see what else. What you would you have seen? I guess if you haven't seen the Mission Impossible ones, you probably wouldn't know her. She's in The Greatest Showman. I still haven't seen that. It's on my uh, list. It's fine. My, my figurative uh, list. Yeah. No, she's 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 an actress you'll be seeing a lot of uh, in the next few years. Do you have uh, Do you have a bronze, Joe? David Lynch, because without his movie, <laughs> this movie wouldn't be praised as highly as it is. You need his movie, uh, and I know he didn't get final cut, so it's not really fair. Because I love David, I love some of David Lynch's films, but uh, no, I would say Bronze. I saw, I thought the best, some of the best acting in it was uh, Charlotte Rampling, yes. um, who was the mom of the. Like the not the mom, but the the main uh, head of the Benny Gesserit, um, yeah. or the highest up that we we see in the in the movie. Um, I thought she did amazing. I thought she she brought like where you don't think like everyone escalated the craft. I think she absolutely escalated the craft for the movie. I think she crushed that scene and is a huge reason why that scene is so powerful. Yeah, I can't can't argue with that. My silver is the director Denis Villeneuve. Um, I think this is a movie he was kind of he, he was the guy to make this you know he was made for this you know he's the way he uses color uh how he composes his shots um to you know to to convey scale and how he just creates this incredibly rich detailed world it's it's just very impressive to me so, Joe, do you have silver? Silver is uh, Hans Zimmer. Yes. Absolutely crushed it. I'm so glad that I saw it in the theaters, and it was one of the best takeaways of the entire movie um, was the sound design and just everything. The score was just insane. I think it's the strongest, like, 10 out of 10 aspect of the movie is the sound. Yes. Really. Yeah. I, I, I had no I, complaints at all. Yep. I, I agree here. What um, I wanted in the Star Wars movies. It's like what I wanted in the newer Star Wars movies was to love the sound and to love the music, the score so much and didn't get. And this movie delivered that. I will, I will say, and you know what? I, I'll bring it up every time. Last Jedi, the Holdo Maneuver is probably some of the best use of sound I've ever experienced in a movie. Wow. I, like it's, 
I was too angry at how much changed and how much it, like the newer trilogy just felt like a fan fiction and just was in the hands of the wrong the wrong people. I felt that. I'm sorry if that offends anyone, a, but I have, I have a Star Wars. I love theory. the prequels too. You know what, I love you know the what, prequels. I, I, actually, I hope it does offend people because Star Wars fans at this point, I want to bash their fucking heads in. <laughs> I, wow, I love I there. love um I'm loving the Obi Wan series. Have I mean, you seen today's episode yet? Yeah, wow. I, I, it was. I I thought um I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't know when this this is coming out for anyone. This, yeah, not this for a while. Listening. Yeah, for, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I just love they can tap into the prequels as much as they want and milk that as much as they want. I'm here to see all of those scenes. It's it's. It's great. It gives me chills. I, I wish a more skilled director had directed the prequels. Because I think a lot of the problems with the prequels are that George Lucas can't direct actors and he needs Yeah. He 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 hits so well on the casting, especially in the original trilogy, that like the charisma of Harrison Ford and like him uh, and and you know Hamill and uh, you know, everyone on there, uh, you know, Fisher helping to create these characters and give them their personality uh, and being edited by his wife at the time um, really made those movies classic. Whereas I think the prequels, he was so far all over the map that, you well, know, he, I just he, think he, people didn't tell, tell him. No, yeah, nobody he crushed it yeah. it's so hard that everyone's like, yeah, you have all the answers. And he didn't. Yeah, and it proved it. Like look uh, at, another problem. Look at, with the look at Hayden Christensen. His scene today, where he played so Anakin. Yeah, dude, you know, the younger Anakin. <laughs> uh, like he's. You're right. You're right, Derek. I said Dune. Dune. Oh, I thought he said dude, like he spoiled. Yeah, it's no, no, we, we, we go on Star Wars tangents way too often. Yeah. There Derek, was a point this to this tangent. Be better if they had lightsabers, is that that's my main question to you? Yes, that's a huge aspect. That's a huge aspect. <laughs> you get the shields instead of the sabers, yeah. and people want the sabers. So, all right. So, uh, <laughs> so my gold, and I mean, you know who it's going to be if you've been listening to the show. It's Timothy Chalamet. It's my guy. He's he's crushing it. This is his first major franchise. This guy, this actor, is going to play Willy Wonka and Bob Dylan coming up. Yeah, that Willy Wonka movie shouldn't exist. Like, I'm going to... Who cares? I, you know, he might be great. It might be a great movie. It might be great, yeah. Hey, uh, if you, do you have trust in Chalamet, Rick? Do you have trust in him? I do, but it's a bad idea, I feel like. Um, Joe, do you have a gold medal? Gold is Frank Herbert. You All need right. him. Just like my gold was Tolkien in the Lord of the Rings one, as far as I remember. You need him. And you need to you need to go to him as much as you can to make this movie count. And uh Peter Jackson did that and I think um all these any any studio trying to adapt a giant franchise like this or a giant piece of literature, you need to you need to know that book inside and out. You need to have read it 20 times, 30 times. Honestly, I don't know how many times um, the director of this movie read Dune, but I guarantee you it was more than four or five. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how many times has Jackson probably read Lord of the Rings? I'm going to say like before those movies, he's probably read it minimum 
six, seven times. Those are the directors you need to make these movies. And I think that these directors don't only read the book a bunch of times, but they usually have a lot of advisors who are like experts on it as well to be with them because, you know, I know Peter Jackson, for instance, he had like people with him who were like, knew the book inside and out. So they did, oh, you know what, Peter, I know you're trying to make this decision, but actually in the book on page 47, this happened. And he's like, oh, thank you. I missed that. So I think it's probably helpful for this movie too. They should have a room of people when they make movies like this. Yeah. They should have sure. 20, 10 to 20 people that have a say and you, you have a decision, you go to the room, you hit them up, you go, Hey, we're going to do this. We're thinking of doing this. What is, what are the experts feel? How do the experts feel? The experts give it a thumbs up, a majority thumbs up, or they just say, no, don't do that. And because that's what Game of Thrones I, needed at the at season season eight. Oh, or Amazon with for, Lord of the Rings. I, I, for all the fucking mistakes made in Game of Thrones. We'll it was like, Give me a we'll fucking see. break. We'll see with Lord of the Rings. Um, but I'm, I'm not excited for Lord of the Rings just based on you have you have so much to get compared to with how amazing Peter Jackson. He wasn't perfect, but the set designs, the costume designs. The score you have so much there's, there's to no, be compared with the amount to, of money they're pumping you, into that. If any, you if have that no aspect is anything less than perfect, then it's a waiver, but just a little. Like yeah. you're fucked. Well, like let's, you're so sorry. Let's, let's go to recasting. Yeah, um, I, I didn't do really do one. a recasting, oh, yeah. but I do have a question, and this is a question that's going to come up whenever we do a movie that has one of these actors in it. Chalamet versus Holland. Could Tom Holland have done this role? Absolutely. Would it have been? I don't think. It, would it have I, I, been I don't as think. Good? I don't think it would have been. Tom Holland's an incredible Shal- actor. I think he could have. He done is it. an incredible actor, but I think Chalamet has that right dark look in his face to make this agree. believable. Tom Holland, he's a very good actor. He's a very strong actor. I saw him in. Um, there was a movie on Netflix with him and Robert Pattinson. Um, Robert Pattinson was like this dirty old priest or something, or I forget what it was, but it was a serious movie, and Tom Holland did a very good job of not being like goofy Spider Man, but. I think Holland has range, but I think Chalamet was the right choice. All right, excellent. Derek, do you have any recasting? I do. Okay. What do you uh, have? I think I think I'm the only one out of the three who did yeah. the recasting. Devil all the time is the name of the movie. All right, go ahead. I did. I did Jessica. I did Lido. I did Gurney, Vladimir, and Idaho. Okay. Let's start. Just go. All right, Jessica. I went with Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, you could see it. That, that's, the, that's why I picked her. I could see it. Yep. <laughs> Next is Alito with Colin Farrell. Hmm. Um, yeah, and the reason why I think is because Colin Farrell and, and, oh, yeah. and Jason Isaac, not Jason Isaac, I'm sorry, Oscar Isaac, yeah. uh, they don't look alike per se, but they kind of remind me of each other sometimes of like that stock character where they can just kind of morph into I've, different things. I've never seen Colin Farrell do paternal, really. Well, you've never seen uh, the, the the Sacred Deer movie? Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, okay. I do think Charlemagne and Isaac look related enough in this movie that it's very believable that he is yeah. his son, which I like yeah, a lot. I, I could see that too, yeah, definitely for sure. Um, but especially just seeing, you know, Colin Farrell is one of those actors who's becoming a sleeper actor where people are like, holy shit, did you see him as the fucking Penguin? Didn't even know that was he's, him. He's, he's got the Brad him. Pitt thing where it's like Crazy. he's the... Yeah, he's got the Brad Pitt thing where it's like he's... He's a character actor in a leading man's body. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next, I went with Gurney, um, which we haven't ta- we haven't really talked about him, um, and I don't know if he's dead or not. Um, you guys probably do. I don't know it, his his disappearance in the movie made me very curious. Yeah. So I don't know if he's dead or not, but 
I pictured somebody to play a, a character like that would be like Sean Bean for sure. Right. Of that kind of like, yeah, I just think he'd be perfect for it. And what a shocker if he isn't dead. If he dies, it's perfect for Sean Bean. And then I went with uh, Idaho. I went with Pedro Pascal as kind of that like soldier who was like the friend of the family. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I went with Vladimir. I went with Gary Oldman because he could play anybody in the fucking yeah, planet. Absolutely. And I could... And Gary Oldman being like a fucking sloth villain would be perfect. I actually, I actually did do a recasting. It's Gary Oldman in every role in the movie. In <laughs> every role. <laughs> what was that? What was that meme on Facebook? I forget what it was, but it was like it was so funny. It was like Gary Oldman's so good that he's actually playing you right now. Yeah. On your deathbed, <laughs> you realize you've been played <laughs> by Gary Oldman. You've been the whole played time. by Gary Oldman your whole life. <laughs> That's so funny. Anything miscellaneous? Anything we haven't talked about that we want to cover? Well, actually, Joe, uh, this is a spoiler alert, I guess, but is Gurney still alive? Um, from a movie standpoint, he disappears, so he is—he doesn't actually die on film, so he could still be alive. I don't okay. remember. I did listen to the audiobook of Dune. There are parts that I. I just don't remember. I don't remember this. Um, well, in the, in the okay. sequel, from what I heard, the Incredible Hulk actually snaps him back to life with the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Yeah. But now, at a movie standpoint, since he didn't die on film, uh, he can come back at any time. I hope he's still alive. I was thinking that today as I rewatched it. Um, but I don't know. Um, I don't know why I can't think of the actor's name right now who plays him. Uh, Josh but, Brolin. Yeah. Josh Brolin. He, how can we just talk about for a second? How Crushed many it. fucking epic? How many epic movies this guy's been in in the last like six years? Yeah. Um, unbelievable. He's the villain in Deadpool two. Or he's in the Goonies. Sort of. He's in the well, yeah, he's in the Goonies. But like the last five years, he's in like you know he's like the main villain in so many movies he's yeah. always popping up playing like whoa he's in this movie it's always josh brolin nowadays i think he's another sleeper Deadpool. actor yeah yeah so it so my miscellaneous only batista is he the best wrestler actor over the rock so I think over you know well, Rowdy, I, I was, out over rowdy ronnie so he, piper I, think, I don't know i think honestly rowdy ronnie piper has the single best role a wrestler's ever had in a movie in They Live. But I think, I, I think I would, Batista might be the most skilled. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the Rock is a very... For instance, me, you, Rick, you and oh, I have man. done the show. We've done the show for 90 episodes or whatever. Not, not at one point did we choose The Rock to play somebody else. Because yeah. I don't think The Rock is a very versatile actor. Like, yeah. I can't picture him playing... He can't play Hannibal Lecter. But he's, you know but what I mean? What he does, he does very well. He does very well. I think that Batista, yeah. Dave Batista, I think like he plays a Bond villain and then he plays the really hilarious Drax. He's, yeah. He could do a lot of good things. Blade like, Runner 2029. Like, incredible yeah. in that. He could play like oh, a no, funny man. guy You haven't too. seen Hell Comes to Frogtown by, <laughs> by Rowdy Piper. So, um. no, I, I, Honestly, I think, I think the, I mean, Andre the Giant and uh, Princess Bride, a movie we're doing in, the, hey, in a couple months. Um, you know what? You know, we so I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but I think. Hey, you know, CM Punk was supposed to play uh, Casey Jones in a Ninja Turtles movie. CM Punk's been in, in horror movies and stuff. I, 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 <laughs> I bet he's a good. I haven't seen it, but I, I bet he's good. But yeah. I think it's from what I've seen, it's Mis- miscellaneous. Yeah, or it's John Cena. I think he's John Cena is excellent in um, in Peacemaker. Like he's, John Cena in general, I think is a very. Oh, Peacemaker think, was so good. Yeah. He's and a really he funny actor. He's a really funny guy yeah. too. But it never it 
it, the whole movie is just banter and some action scenes like of like the whole show <laughs> yeah. it's just banter like the whole show is banter and just yeah. off the cuff um i wish that i did not see batista in all the marvel movies and then see him in this it took me a few scenes yeah to really not laugh at his face yeah yeah i I feel the same he really and that's the thing about him is he killed absolutely i would say guardians of the galaxy 2 the gold should go to drax because he is so funny in that movie it just takes me out of the whole thing and then when i see him in anything else i'm like he's just laughs he's just Drax now like see i think see i i saw guardians one which he's i mean he's a comedic character but he's not constantly like cracking yeah. jokes ladies and guardians too and then i think i saw blade runner 20 um 20 2049 yep mm-hmm. um where he's like he plays a very dramatic role and you know i i uh, you know now in this and then in the uh in the james bond movie he plays very different roles and i think he's i think he's in the widest range at least uh yeah the Rock might be able to like be more consistent, but uh, Batista highest highs. I think. I think. Yeah, you know, things could change though. You haven't seen Triple H in the Chaperone, so you don't know what you're talking about. They haven't uh, seen uh, <laughs> Triple H. You haven't seen Shaggy and uh, Big Money Hustlers, so he's technically a wrestler. Well, also, Shaggy too dope. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. And then there's yeah. of course, there's, of course uh, uh, the Big Show in the Water Boy is Captain Insane. <laughs> oh Captain my Insane. god, yeah. How old are you? Yeah. 15, 16, I'm 34 years old. Compliments of Captain Insano. All right, let's, Actually, uh, Big, Show was, Big Show was in Jingle All the Way as well. He was, yeah. Oh, and man. Kevin Nash was Super Shredder. So He, he was, yes. Here's what I was going to say for Miscellaneous. Yeah. I have went through a lot of the Ninja Turtle movies, and I only really like the first one. The second one has its moments. It does not come close to the first. And I don't like though. the Michael Bay ones. And the third one, I can't get through 20 minutes of. Yeah. Oh, for, the third Ninja, one, Ninja Turtles. The, 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 the 1990 one is a legitimately good movie. Because it's not a kid's movie. It's an adult yeah. movie. Disguise yeah. is a kid's movie. And that's what they need to do again. If they do that on, if they do yeah. that with a series, if they do that with a movie, you take the first one and roll with that. And copy it as much as you can. You're making money. You don't Joe, need the what? Do you know? Do you know why the second one fails compared to the first one? Because uh, the vanilla he, ice happens because, to be in the scene. He just happens no, no, no. to be at a concert, and then Super Shredder <laughs> just kills himself. So he's too big. Oh no! Wrapped up. The best moment of that vanilla ice scene is when the guys like oh. season Ninja Turtles go in there, and he's like. Look at those costumes. I love this place. Um, no, but in the beginning of the movie, Kano, the, the, Kino, whatever his name is, he's yeah. like, he's about to deliver pizza and there's two girls, two thin girls standing there. And he's like, which one of you lucky girls gets to ride with me tonight? She's like, dream on dweeb. And he goes, yeah, okay. But when I do, I'll dream of something a little thinner and starts laughing. And I'm like, they're thin. What does he expect from women? It's just bad writing, and I it's also <laughs> don't care about anyone in the movie who's a hero that's not a turtle, unless it's Casey Jones, yeah. unless it's April, o- yeah. unless it's April yeah. O'Neil. I don't care, and you shouldn't be in the movie. It's about right, the turtles, Splinter, Casey Jones, April O'Neil. Get everyone out. Maybe Baxter yeah. has a re- revelation where he comes good because he's basically like the Jace, fly. Jason, Jason, I like to see Jason Momoa as Casey Jones. 
that, and yeah, it works. But, but but the problem with a lot you know, of the best, the best delivery like, in any movie, best line delivery in any any movie ever is in the first Ninja Turtles. When, speeding, speeding. You knew what I just his said. Mouth, I just called it. <laughs> his his mouth. I rewound that scene a hundred times, and and the first time and the one hundredth time, I belly laughed. <laughs> His mouth oh my hey, god. At least they finished broke. his costume design, not in the third one. They only built like half of the fucking yeah. rat. Um and then they say damn so much for a kid's movie. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Oh man. And then the it's montage a- at the farmhouse and it's just it's so it's, it's so a heavy. Moment. It's so the Casey yeah. Jones the Casey Jones the joke when he's like Casey Jones yeah. joke when he's like um Donatello's like you're claustrophobic and he's like I've never even looked at another guy before. <laughs> it's like the, right, well, the, next, the next movie you're doing with us is of course ninja turtles so of course ninja turtles <laughs> oh right. yeah so let's let's go to the oscars um so we did a whole me and chris monopani another frequent guest of the show did a whole episode on this year's oscars so you can hear what we think about all the major categories in detail what was snubbed uh you know what wins out of you know who did win or who should win who, you know, who we thought was going to win as a preview came out the week before the Oscars pre-slap. So let's, uh, so this movie, it similar to last week, when you talked about a movie, it just wins all the below the line awards. You know, this one wins uh, editing. It's nominated for costume. It wins visual effects. It wins cinematography. Uh, it is nominated for makeup and hairstyling. It wins sound. It wins production design. It uh, wins score. It is nominated for Best Picture. Uh, and it is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And yeah, so let's talk about it. So the big one is, you know, it's nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Best Picture is won by Coda. It's uh, other nominees are Belfast, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, and The Power of the Dog. So I had this actually second place to Licorice Pizza. Really? Yes. I haven't seen it. Heard it was. Uh, I heard mixed reviews, but it, it looks interesting. Licorice Pizza is a movie where you have to buy the central conceit, and you can't take it literally because the movie is about two people who are finding love at the absolute wrong time in their lives. They're two people that are perfect for each other. Uh, and circumstances do not lend themselves to them being together. Okay. The problem is that the two characters are a 25-year-old woman and a 15-year-old boy. Oh. Oh, I did hear about this yeah. movie. Yeah. So if you take that literally, it's fucking horrifying. Right. Right? But if you take it as a stand-in for two people who are different f- stages of their lives and can't That's make a it work. wild concept. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You have to you have to roll with it. But if you take it literally, it's fucking horrifying. Um, but the 50 year old boy is played by Cooper Hoffman, who is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son and definitely inherited some talent. Oh, man. Me, me and Rick are very pro Philip Seymour Hoffman in the show. Yeah. But I mean, of these, I mean, have you guys seen many of these or. Sam again? I haven't seen I haven't seen any of them. I don't think. Oh. Coda? I, I've seen Coda. I believe. Coda. No, yeah. is that the one that was just on uh, Apple? Yes. You can only see it through Apple. Okay, I yeah. didn't see that. Sorry, okay. I did not see that. Uh, Belfast. Uh, did not see that. Belfast is a very by the numbers uh, biopic. Well, it's like an early 
Kenneth Branagh wrote and directed. It's about his life as a child during the Troubles in Ireland. Uh, it's fine. There are some good performances. In it. Don't Look Up, which is on Netflix. That was probably the other Did than the popular one. I didn't love it. that one myself. Uh, Drive My Car, which is a three-hour Japanese movie. Has its moments. It sounds, it sounds like a Beatles song, actually. It, yeah, it baby, does. It's actually about someone driving car, somebody's car. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> um, yeah. King Richard, which is a, yep, King Richard, which is the one Will Smith won the Oscar for that he played. Did not see that. Yep. He's Will Smith, very good. Uh, Ligger Speech, who said uh, Nightmare Alley. Uh, loved that. Watch Nightmare Alley by myself. I loved I it. Loved the first half, and then the oh, second wasn't half perfect. didn't work. Yeah, it for wasn't. Me. It wasn't perfect, but I thought it ended great. I thought the ending was like the oh, very end, like the very, very, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it, it snoozes. It definitely the second and half. A lot of movies at that. the carnival is good. Anything oh, not at so the carnival good. doesn't work for me. And um, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. It wasn't perfect, yeah. but the first half was great, and then it, the ending was great. Yep. The power of the dog. I did. I uh, another movie ends very fucking End strong, strong, but everything up to the you. end just doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it was worth seeing. These are all I movies think, that are, yeah. I think that movie is so. I have some big problems with that movie. I think it's the idea that they're like this guy is like a you know it's about toxic masculinity, but it's like well obviously if he hates like he's if he's a big jerk it just means that he's secretly gay and it's like well it doesn't really work like that you know and and also I think if they made it a little bit more like a little bit more schlocky and they, cause really the movie is like, what if this like homophobic bully was picking on Norman Bates? Right. Like what if this, like, what if this like jerk ran into a psychopath and like, what would happen? And, but they don't reveal what it's about until like the last 30 seconds of the movie. You know, my problem with the movie was, is the setting feels so much like a Wild West movie. And when you don't have any of those kind of plot points in a movie like this, you're always expecting it and you're never getting it because of yeah. this is like that 1% of a Wild West the, movie that doesn't have a gang is in town and they got to, yeah. you know what I mean? The sheriff is killed or like this and our, that, like there's our none friend, of that. Our this. friend Chris did raise a good point on our Oscar episode is this is a movie where you could set it pretty much anywhere mm-hmm. like if he was like if this was a movie about like marines in afghanistan you could do the same movie mm-hmm. you know if this if this is a movie like set anywhere at any time it could work and that could be a credit to the movie because it is kind of a universal story in some yeah. ways but it like to, to your point it, it's not necessarily like a western western which is probably it feels like a Western from the beginning. And when they're yeah. looking at the mountain to see like the dog in the mountain, yeah. there's so many moments where you just need like that Clint Eastwood yeah. feeling of a character in there. And, and it's because it's my fault. It's not even this movie's fault. It's my fault for watching so many Westerns that are, that stick to a script like that. So, yeah. so tight. I hear and you. To not have that. I'm just not, I wasn't but, really ready yeah. for the movie on that aspect. But, uh, speaking of the West, the, the 10th and final nominee is West Side Story. Mm. Uh, Can't believe which, I still haven't seen it yet. I, I love it. it. I had that in third place. Um, wow. I love all those movies. 
out of all these movies, so is Dune your favorite out of all the movies that came out? Licorice Pizza is my oh, Licorice, Licorice is number one. Licorice Pizza is one of these. What really should have won is a movie that came out last year called The Green Knight. Oh, I watched that. Yeah, I, I still like Dune it. more. I still like Dune more than The Green Knight, but it was heavy, dude. It was yeah, it was heavy. It was devastating. It was worth seeing. I don't find it to be rewatchable. Like like what I'm. When I when I look at all these movies, I'm never gonna rewatch Nightmare Alley. Maybe once. Maybe I'll I'll be like, oh, sure. I am this. If movie. I'm going through, it's like I want to watch all the Del Toro movies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I've watched Dune three times, yeah. and that's for a reason. It's got a it's a gum it's a piece of gum that doesn't lose its flavor yeah. out of all of these films. And I, I would also go with I think um, uh, the French Dispatch, which was Wes Anderson's movie last year. Yeah. I th- I yeah. I love the, that multiple does the multiple yes. story one. That movie's definitely lo- not for everyone, but I love it. I I liked it. It's not my favorite of his. My yeah. most rewatchable movie of his is definitely um A Life Aquatic. I um, love Life Aquatic. I think I've seen that's it my like favorite. six times. That's my exactly. favorite performance. That might be my favorite Bill Murray performance, honestly. Um yeah. it's it's close with a lot of stuff, but that's great. I think his best movie is the Grand Budapest Hotel. I've seen that twice. That's a, uh, that's another movie where the it. ending it's great. punches he you. Just right gives you every, he just gives you everything. For yeah. a movie watcher like Tarantino, yeah. but obviously you're not getting the blood and gore. He's, with Anderson Anderson, a, he gives you everything yeah. Yeah. That, you, like, that you deserve as a viewer. He's one but of those few directors lens. that just, yeah, yeah. just gives you everything. You get, you get character arcs. You yeah. get a great story. You get originality. You get a great setting. Colors are the, one of the best draw. You, the camera, the way yeah. everything's lined up, everything's insane. The yeah. details, even um, what's the name of the the was it the Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yes. I've seen that maybe two or three times. His ability to make a movie like rewatchable is insane because you just you get the whole picture. There's yeah. no we need more directors on his level, and I yeah. don't know. I think he's a once in a lifetime. I agree. Type director. Speaking of directors. Uh, best director, the one by Jane Jane Campion for Power of the Dog. Other enemies, other nominees: Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Ryusuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Um, of those five, I feel like Spielberg should have won uh, because the direction in West Side Story, the framing, the blocking, the fact that it's a musical and that's so tough to direct incredibly impressive oh he's Um, just on another level yeah yes and it's spielberg he's i mean he's master he's the master Um, he's yeah i'd knock out kenneth brana for denifa Nuve here Uh, belfast is like it's just very again it's very straight straight by the numbers but i I don't think either of you had seen that did you ever just look up movies by spielberg and just see how much we've done that on this show we've done that on the show insane Yeah. yeah the fact um that he did the second half of AI and yeah. I feel like he pulled it off. There are, I, yeah. I imagine you, you can't like that movie could have easily just never been finished and you just got a piece of, um, you know, what it was going to be. And the fact that he finished a movie. Um, there are, there are three major movies that like, that like, Kubrick dies and you yeah. get handed his movie. Who is the only yeah. person you're going to have that's going to be able to do that? And there is a different, there is a change in tone. Obviously, he's a different director, but to be able to be the guy to like basically finish a Kubrick piece is insane. Yeah, yeah. there there are probably three major movies 
that I think a second director has come in and just picked up for whatever reason. And really like that AI is the most successful one. And then you have like Superman two, which is like, you can tell where Lester picked up and Donner dropped off. Like that's, it's very clear. And then there's justice league, which was a disaster, you know, cause it's like, they just picked the not rewatchable. Oh yeah. Joss Whedon, Zack Snyder's movies are one thing. Joss Whedon's movies are an entirely different thing. And they did not mix together. It's uh you know, it's you ice guys cream, should, have you ice done an episode of most rewatchable movies or like top three most rewatchable movies of all time? That's a good idea for an episode. Yeah, I don't know. You only have to pick three it, and then you have to argue your points. Yeah, I think there's, cool. there's, there is there is there is a podcast called that called the rewatchables. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, uh, which we let's we're inspired. I'm inspired a lot by that podcast. Let's say you'll listen to it and you'll probably uh it's unfortunate that podcast actually it's much more popular now. It's Bill Simmons movie podcast, yeah. and he what he would do. He actually recently added some categories to his show that we do. Like he would, he does like he would do like let's recast it today, and I was like, oh well, we've been doing that for like two years, so yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, come on, Bill. But yeah, let's uh, let's go on to best actor, uh, famously won by Will Smith. Derek's cousin, um, yes, as, as uh, Richard Williams, well deserved. I think he was great. Other nominees: Javier Bardem and being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch and Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield and Tick Tick Boom, and Denzel Washington in the, in the Tragedy of Macbeth. Harvey hey, Bardem, Tragedy of Macbeth is the one of these that I haven't seen actually. I thought that was like the one you really wanted. It, it was the one I really wanted to see. It's again, it's just on Apple, and I just like haven't dude no one wants every subscription i know i i i pay i pay for some subscriptions and share others but like i just i can't Can't do it i can't pay for all these subscriptions and i have the money to pay to have those subscriptions all the subscriptions sure but i just can't justify paying it and then not using it and watching it especially for one thing it's like ridiculous Uh, I mean, there are other ways to get movies. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. If we, if, if we really <laughs> want to watch it, uh, our maybe. So, um, so uh, Harvey being the Ricardos, not a great movie. It's they're actually no. like Amy it's Schumer cool. actually had a great joke on the Oscars telecast where she was like, "It's amazing that you made a movie about the funniest woman who, to ever live, and you didn't have one single joke in it." <laughs> like that's that's what that movie is. Um, so I would. So I mean, I would probably put Chalamet in here over Bardem in this role. I don't know. I think I think Chalamet was good, but I don't think it was Oscar worthy. I mean, realistically, we're, talk- would... we're talking about the Oscars. Here. We're talking about the best acting of the year. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet was good. He was good. He wasn't great. Yeah, but Javier Bardem was not good in being the Ricardos. Are you sure about that? Are, are, yeah, because sure? he, he got <laughs> Javier Bardem is fucking fantastic. He's great, but that's not. It's not a good movie. It, like, yeah, I think really the good. movie has to be good. I don't. Yeah, yeah you can't carry. Yeah, I don't know. I think better acting was probably in. Even though you know, I didn't love the movie as much as Dune, but I would say, um, you know, Power of the Dog had some incredible fucking yeah. acting. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, I think, was I incredible. Of the, of uh, the people, five here, I have. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. Um, yeah. Just yeah, just just is for supporting. Yeah, uh, but of of the actors here, the ones oh. that I've seen, yeah, yeah, Will Smith, easy win, honestly. Cumberbatch yeah. too, 
Garfield three, Bardem four. Um, Tick Tick Boom, pretty good. He's excellent. Yeah, yeah he, Garfield, the second Spider Man. He should also incredible actor. Yeah, he 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 should have been in. in and he's a pro skateboarder, so he always wins for me. Right. You're a uh, pro no, skateboarder. Let's 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 run through these here. Uh, Stuntman skateboarder, but yeah. So nobody really in contention for best actress, supporting actor. Who would we consider here for if we're if we're going to pick a supporting actor? I oh man, I don't really see anybody. I think if it's if it's this, this be- is not this is not a very strong like Oscar acting movie for me. That's fair, but I mean, if we were going to, if we were going I just don't, to, if you're good for going to throw somebody that doesn't belong there because that's what that is. <laughs> Well, we again, like we gotta we gotta go through. Like, let's go through. The, like, Troy Kotzer and Coda wins. He's very, he's excellent. Syrian Hines and Belfasts. Yep. Jesse Plemons, the best. Okay. Love him. Great. I I once Great. thought he was uh, Matt. Was it uh, Matt Damon? Matt Damon. Uh, yeah, people have called him Matt, Matt Damon. Yeah. I've heard the name called before. Uh, but he was in a movie. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. It wasn't a great movie. But my wife and I were like. Wow, Matt Damon crushed it. And we were looking through the, we were looking through because he had heavy he had heavy makeup on. We were yeah. so sure it was Matt Damon, and we're looking through the credits and we're like, "What? <laughs> that wasn't him? Are you it's shitting funny. me?" It's because if you put them side to side, I don't think they look that much alike. But I think everyone's still reminded of him. Yeah, when you see Jesse Plemons, <laughs> it's so funny. Yep. Jk oh. Jk Simmons and being the Ricardos and Cody McAfee in Power of the Dog. Who did Simmons um, play on that? J.K. Simmons played William Frawley, aka the guy who played oh, Fred. Fred. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I again, weird role to nominate. It's 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 bizarre. Um, I, I they, yeah, I don't know. Apple must have been really pushing those those actors. Um, okay. I, I I don't I don't get it. Um, but fine. We don't have to we don't have to nominate anybody for for acting here. Um, so Derek. What are you what are you eating with this movie? Man, I don't know what you eat with this movie. I don't even know if they ate oh, ragged movie. meat. Easy. Ragged uh, meat. Something the Baron's eating. Yeah. Something ragged meat. Spicy. I was gonna say something with spices on it yeah. at the very least. <laughs> uncooked, uncooked, shitty. What what has meat. the what food has the most spices on it? Is it fried chicken? No. I feel like I, fried chicken has a fried lot of spices. Chicken. On it. <laughs> Fried chicken, there's like 13 spices. Do, do you have any Indian dish that has more spices yeah. than fried chicken? No, I don't want diarrhea. <laughs> Too bad. You prepare you it Dune, better and you won't get you diarrhea. Watch Dune and you have to eat a meal based on the movie, you get diarrhea. That's it. You don't have a choice. I'll eat fucking sand and spices. You eat sand <laughs> and ragged meat. That's what you that's eat. It. That's what you get. All right. Um, so, Derek, now we come to the most important part of the show. Curry. Yeah. I don't know if I can do this, Rick. I'm going to be honest with you. Do it. Do it anyway. It's your job, buddy. I don't know if Get I can. Your job. Can't not do your Sell job. it. All right. Sell it. Get ready. You ready? <laughs> get, get ready. You ready? <laughs> you, didn't have time. you didn't have time to get ready. Right? No, Three, get two, two one, right. go. Three, two, okay. one, go. Go. Dune, Dennis Villanueva, 2021. I know I said it wrong. Uh, this movie is is definitely big. It's definitely epic. It's it's a it's a it's a big movie, and it and it's so epic. Um, it has good sounds and 
it's very pleasing to look at. The story's a little convoluted for me, uh, but the acting is good, and it's. I hope that the second half is good too. You, you done? Now I'm done. All right, great. <laughs> I told you I wasn't ready for that. You weren't ready. Oh man, Dune. Uh-huh. Um, we have another gigantic franchise worth watching. I think for so. sure. It's not perfect, but it's enough to be excited for anything that follows it. There you go. Dune. And read the books. Listen to the audiobooks. If you're like me, you'll have to listen to it a few times to get everything. But I feel like by you saying if you saying, go ahead, read the Dune books, it's like saying, go in the back and build an in-ground pool. It just sounds that's, like a lot of work. That's Lord of the Rings. Aren't you so glad you read Lord of the Rings? This is up there. Yeah, this is the I, I sci-fi. A, I, that's true. I had a younger mind. The back then, sci-fi. So like, right. If you right. ask anyone in, they love sci-fi and you go, what's the sci-fi? Like in fantasy, Lord of the Rings is the fantasy. This is the sci-fi. It's up there. Period. This is, this is the book, though. This is it. If you have to pick one, everything greatest sci-fis of all time. If you look up any list, this is always number one. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Joe. I am going to read The Silence of the Lambs, and we're going to talk about it. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I, I need to get into his other books, Thomas Harris's other books, but there's no way they're going to be on the same level. And I already know it. I literally picked out, I picked up a chat. I, I was been, I've been uh, saving the chapters that are the strongest in the book, in my opinion, 33, 41, 56, 45, 48, 47, 36, 53. Uh, I didn't do them in order. I was just like, kind of like picking which were my favorites chapter. Um, 33 i believe is my favorite um just visually um oh, i can't wait how buffalo, long is the book buffalo bill it's 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 a long one um i'm mm-hmm. on chapter 59 and there are 61 chapters okay uh, each, some one chapter is 24 minutes most of them are um five ten minutes some are, there's a few chapters that are 16 21 25 minutes uh, it's a long book. This is a novel. It is. It's a big book. It's a big. It's a big boy. Well, if we're gonna, uh, if we're gonna take any message from today, it's read books or listen to books or watch movies. Yeah, well, if you love a, if you if you love a movie enough and you want all the all the cut content, <laughs> just read the book or listen to the audio book because now you have the visuals in your head to really feel like you can understand the scenes. Um, of the book and it's not just a blank room like a black room when i can't concentrate on a book i just i don't see anything i just hear the words of the dialogue and it doesn't work for me sometimes um but with dune you watch the movie you love the visuals enough and then you read the book you you get the full experience in my opinion and same thing with lord of the rings with the peter jackson movies you get it, it either hurts the experience for some people or it it um it makes it, it just makes it a more enriching experience. And for me, right. definitely does that with the Dune book and with Silence of the Lambs. All right. Nice. Well, well, that's been our episode on Dune. We hope you enjoyed it. I know there have been people that uh, I've talked to that don't like the movie. They're more in Derek's camp. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people who love the movie. Um, but let us know what you think. Uh, but let's uh, take a look at what we've got coming up. We are uh, ending the month of June on a, a, a movie that I think we both really enjoy and that we're going to have uh again we all have noted as as is uh, derek's cousin mark uh who's coming mark, on the show mark baldacino mark baldacino coming on the show uh we're talking the rock rocky and yeah, then original rocky 
Yes. Can you um, ask him the greatest, what is the greatest Rocky montage of all time? Because my friends seem to think it's Rocky Four because it it's a montage no, of all no, montages. It's no, it's not. Rocky Four is up there, but Rocky Three is the best out of all of them. I'm, I'm, my, I'm just saying montage. I'm not talking about the movie. What's yeah. the best no, 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 montage? I'm saying Rocky, Rocky Three has the best montage. I mean, him and Apollo are just fucking grinding. I love it. Oh, wow. So okay. I actually, I think it's Rocky Four, but I think it's the montage where he's training in Russia. Yeah, yeah, that's Rocky Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's but Rocky there's, there's that's like the multiple montages. Involved. Yeah, Rocky. It's yeah. like all the montages. No, there's like there's multiple montages in Rocky. It's the 4. inception of montages. Yeah. It's a montage of it, montages. Oh, and before, while I get you, while you just brought this, um, made a light bulb go off for another movie. Have you seen Shoot Fighter? No. Will no. you see Shoot Fighter? What is it? <laughs> It's a really bad. You're gonna, <laughs> okay. no, you know what I'm going to say. You are welcome that I brought this movie up because if you watch it, the whole thing's on YouTube. Is a it's like an '80s like movie that just didn't take off. You're welcome if you want to laugh so hard, even if it's by uh, yourself. To I a love shitty, that movie. To a shitty movie, Shoot Fighter. I tried watching Shoot Fighter 2. I, 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 I can't. So, I'm just so thankful that I watched, I sat through Shoot Fighter 1 by so myself. So there's, well, there's one good, one so good anime movie, and it's called Warrior. And oh, yeah. It's, the movie's it's great. A, it's, a, it's a fucking masterpiece. Um, Shoot Fighter is a masterpiece in its own right. Okay. Um, speaking, of ba- speaking of bad movies, we, I think we have one coming up. On the we weeks. sure do. Um, Derek, I love uh, it. You, you picked this one. Uh, I for love this our, movie. Our July 4th spectacular, we're going to the Will Smith well, your cousin Will, when we have Chris Bonapani back on the show to talk about Wild Wild West. Oh, God. That's a movie I don't want to watch. I do not care to go back and watch that. I've seen it like like 12 times. I love that movie. That's a problem. (laughs) I think it's just, I don't know. I like Kevin Klein a lot, and I love Kenneth Branagh as the villain. And then Ted Levine. As General Bloodbath McGrath, you can't get better than that. I just can't see the CGI holding up in that movie. Gonna, oh no, no, the, the, mo- yeah. the movie's not good, but it's just fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, for the rest of July, uh, we're gonna have a creature double feature. Excuse me, creature triple feature. When we go first with Alien, never saw it. Then Predator, never saw it. Oh, you're in great. For a, not as good as the Alien, but great. Great in its own good, way. We're good gonna, good we're for an good. action movie. Good for an action movie. Aliens, Aliens, yeah. a masterpiece. Yes, Aliens is good. It's fun. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's more than fun. It's great, but it's not a masterpiece in my opinion. With the once you add the S, it's not a masterpiece compared to Alien. <laughs> so the best thing but, about Aliens is how um, how James Cameron pitched the movie, and this is this is supposedly a true story, but I don't know. It's apocryphal. So James Cameron, this is the pitch for Aliens. There's an empty whiteboard, right? And it's James Cameron and a group of executives. And he goes up, doesn't say a word. He writes the word alien on the whiteboard. And he looks at the, he looks at the room and he goes, hmm, no, hmm. and then he puts an S on the end of alien. And he turns around. He's like, yeah. Huh? And then he turns back around and puts two lines to the S. So it's a dollar sign. And he goes, and he got the movie. Uh, That's so funny. <laughs> I hate um, him. <laughs> And then uh, we what, end July with perhaps the ultimate creature, Satan, uh, when we watch The Devil's Advocate. I'm not going to lie. This 
this was a Derek choice for sure. Yes, it was. Um, this this is going to be the ultimate Pacino episode. Hoo ah, All right. So I want to thank you so much for joining us this week and every week. I, as always, have been your co-host, Richard Idaho. I have been your co-host, the big sandworm Boski. Ah, that was stupid. The big spice Boski. I have been. (laughs) I have been your guest. The the guest. Yes. (laughs) Just just the guest. The guest. (laughs) Well, keep watching, everyone.